0: Better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. Welcome back to the podcast for part two of our discussion about the blueprint for the hospital of the future. If you didn't join us for part one, I'd encourage you to hit the pause, go back and watch part one, and then come back for the continuation of our discussion. Today, we're gonna pick up with Danny and Gary and talk about the power of private networks and edge compute to drive real-time insights for the hospital of the future. We'll also talk about blueprints and roadmaps for hospital decision makers on how to get from where they are today to where they want to be in the future with real-time innovation. Thanks for joining. This is what we're increasingly referring to as um, enabling enterprise intelligence, right? The ability for these organizations to operate with real time insights and data analytics, you know, in real time at the point of care. Um, Because your use case that you mentioned there, Gary, about, um, you know, streaming large files or sharing very large um, diagnostic images, we keep hearing from clinicians, you know, I just want to not have to hit the refresh button 50 times while I'm waiting for that to download. And when you think about, okay, if they're spending two to three to four minutes per film, if they're a radiologist or a clinician, waiting for that file to download, to open, to render so that they can do their reading or they can collaborate around a patient's care. You multiply that time loss over how many you know films they're reading a day or how many of those conversations they're having to have. And that's, that's real time layered into an already... On overloaded clinical staff, right, who really need to be able to to do that uh, in a way that supports their ability to make a decision in that moment and move on to the next thing or to support care and treatment. So, it's, you know, it's the security of that, but it's also just, like I said, some practical, uh, I don't want to hit, have to hit refresh as many times as I'm hitting it today to get those, those films to come up. And then to your point, uh, Danny, the integrity of them as well, um, you, you know, the the diagnostic read on those does really require them to render at, um, you know, at a resolution and a quality level that they're, you know, able to pinpoint, um, you know, some of the things that they're, that they're diagnosing. So pretty critical. Where, where does edge compute uh, capability uh, layer in here, Danny? I'm, and there's some use cases we could talk about where when you begin to put that artificial intelligence, which healthcare is very reliant on, really hoping um, to extract a lot of potential from AI, right? There's so many use cases, but many of them really do need that compute power to sit close in order for it to be meaningful in many use cases. So can you talk about that a little bit, you know, and and the connection with a private cellular network plus edge? What does that do for the hospital in the future?
1: That, that is a really good observation, a really good question. And Essentially, it's this in very simple terms. Uh, You need a network infrastructure that's very high capacity, high performing. And then when you couple in the compute infrastructure, uh, that one plus one equals something that's quite exponential. The reason why this is important is because as Gary was talking about, some of the use cases and some of the things that we're even doing for some of our customers is there's two factors. It's volume and fidelity. And so the more volume of things that you Load into the system. Just think about how much data now you're really introducing into that system and the load. Now factor in the fidelity of the imaging or whatever application that is that you really need. And I'm going to say real time, but just to put it in perspective, like when when I blink, when we blink our eyes, that's like a hundred milliseconds. You know, hundred to three hundred milliseconds. But in order to do some of this clinical work, I, you have to have feedback a second, 20 millisecond, you know, a type of, of transactions. So when you think about all those factors, that's when you're going to need not only the network platform, but also the MET platform, because those applications and there are applications that now have to function within these systems. They have to be supported by a platform that includes the compute domain. There's no way you're going to have anything like robotic surgery or inference uh, in terms of imaging that kind of performance and that's where the mech uh, compute stack coupled with the applications really come into play
0: so Gary what are some of the some of those use cases where edge is really a factor like you, when i think about everybody in healthcare on the academic side or in the tech startup space who are building these really complex diagnostic al- algorithms right or these um, you know uh, inferencing uh, algorithms um, if they had real-time ability, what could they deliver into, you know, a clinical space? Like in the diagnostic center, the operating room, there's so, so many where t- we would see real-time actually matter.
2: I, I think of a, a time when I worked with a large cloud provider. This was before I'd ever heard about edge computing, way before I came to Verizon. We put 50 million clinical records into the cloud, encrypted records into the cloud, so imagine what that was like when you're trying to query, you know, on that day to try to get insights on the patients. Like my customers stopped doing it because it took too long. And so I was ecstatic when I first learned about edge computing because you could take that computation power out of the cloud and move it to the edge of the network so that we, we could do some things in more real time. And one of the, the use cases that I get really excited about, um, is what we're doing a company called MetaVis in in partnership with MetaVis and Microsoft, right? It's in most of our innovation labs. Um, I certainly always encourage everyone to come by and see it. And if you're going to be at Yums, we'll certainly um, have them there with us. So what we're able to do is, you know, Danny talked about, you know, this high-fidelity, you know, uh, imagery. Imagine being able to layer that onto top of a patient so that a clinician can put on a pair of, of glasses and can see where the tumor is, guide his or her incision, do a digital twin of the spine, if you will, and pull it out and twist it and expand it. Imagine from a medical education perspective, taking a heart, expanding it, walking into it, looking around. So um, AR, VR, you know, in the surgical room is is extremely exciting. And, and those are the things that, you know, EDGE um, is going to enable. And yeah. you know, I had mentioned earlier, you know, we have had the world's first remote surgery. You know, it happened. Uh, with a hospital in china that was the first 5g hospital in the world um a physician on one side of the country actually did a a successful remote surgery and it was due to having that low latency having that computation power there at the edge of the network so the future of healthcare is really exciting both you know in the home um but then also in the hospital
0: yeah i'd throw out a couple more too i know i'm I'm excited about the potential. I come from the the clinical documentation space and the transcription world in, in years past. And um, we've seen such an evolution of natural language processing and the way voice is being enabled. Um, and we hear a lot of clinicians say, you know, one of the most practical things you could enable for me throughout, you know, the facility is for me to be hands free, to be, be able to use my voice, kind of like Star Trek, right? You know, just to be able to speak to the computer and have it. Through the that asset tracking capability, find the nearest whatever, or tell me where Doctor So and So is, or you know, be able to to do that in the operating room. So, voice is a, a super powerful one too. Uh, and then I know, Gary, we've seen a lot of use cases with intelligent video and computer vision where you can take what's coming from that video feed. You know send it out to the cloud and layer in that ai and then in real time be able to to provide some inferencing um back into the operating room or into the diagnostic center is powerful there's a lot of ways that intelligent ai enabled video can support surgical technique and providing feedback to surgical teams about how they can decrease bypass times and you know tourniquet times and all of those things there's just a lot of a lot of potential there but it's that speed to information right danny it's all about You know, gathering that data, extrapolating the the real time insights that are needed right in that moment, and positioning them back at the point of care where they're needed. Um, So there's a lot of that going on. That kind of brings us to this idea of real time. We're talking about real time, um, and it it certainly is the game changer for for you know private five G and for edge at the at the um, at the edge of the network to be able to deliver that. Uh, why is that? I think we've talked about why it's a game changer. Is it a realistic goal, um, and how much of what we're talking about um, truly does need real time capability versus would be much better and faster if it was done in these environments? Any thoughts on that, Danny?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it absolutely is a reality. and uh, it, it's a both a goal and a reality. And I'll touch I'll touch on some examples that we're even seeing in other industries. You know where. Uh, This is kind of an interesting notion. We talked about it here where the the performance characteristics that was needed were a camera as an example. Just think about inferencing or other applications that kind of need that kind of uh, granularity and in real time feedback that you're taking components, a camera as an example, or, or some video feed, you're turning it into an analytical device now. Okay. the down to the pixelization level. And we're also seeing this these qualities come to bear in other industries, like with quality control, as an example. And I think there is some parallel here, you know, where now there's a human factor to say, I've got things coming down like an assembly line, but I need to figure out in real time if that thing is flawed. Well, guess what? I, now we can use high fidelity cameras that were before being used for security, as an example, as a analytical device to say, I can pick that up in real time, you know, where before... The pictures were having to be sent and offloaded somewhere, where a human was now having to go pick that up at, at a later date and figure out. Oh, wait, was there a flaw? In the meantime, your production costs, you know, are, are are going up. Well, imagine those scenarios where now that can be caught in real time. That is a reality, you know. Now take that translation to the medical field as well, you know, where that is how fast, and I, I really just not to overemphasize. I don't think it can be overemphasized where these decisions have to be made faster than a human can, can even process a visual. Like for me to actually see something in my brain to process that, that is that takes like 15 to 30 milliseconds. So yeah. these kind of decisions and, and feedback are having to happen at least that fast. You know, that, that to me is quite compelling. And uh, it, look, if we were having this conversation five years ago. It might've been, yeah, you know, this is the art of possible. But we're actually really seeing these uh, come to practical application today.
0: And it might take moving away from this idea that that camera is surveillance, you know, that it's something intrusive in the operating room uh, and, and shifting the dialogue around. This is, you know, the partnering of artificial intelligence with human intelligence you know, to really move the needle on some of these things, because I know we could probably spend some time talking about, you know, the risks of some of those things, too, and the ethics around AI. But um, I know where people have concerns about, oh, video surveillance or intelligent videos, watching all of those things. But really, when you think of it as a partner or another, you know, another staff uh, support tool, or like you said, Gary, operational efficiency, um, then it's it's not there to replace anybody or to, you know, necessarily tell them they're, they're not doing a good job. But here's how we can actually help you do your job quicker, more efficiently with the data sets that you actually need in that moment. Because, you know, we could talk a lot, I think, about how much data is being captured within health systems. I mean, it's, it, it's astronomical when you look at the data coming from, you know, medical devices from uh, diagnostics, from patient-generated data, there's just a you know a, a perfect storm of data. But w- what healthcare continues to tell us is that we need the right data sets at the right moment with the right insights. uh, And we're we're really talking about the infrastructure to deliver that. Um, What are the barriers today, do you think, Gary and Danny, either one of you can take that? What are the barriers today for hospitals and health systems when it comes to delivering on this and getting there? Maybe they're not quite there today. Um, What do they need to be thinking about, and how do they roadmap toward um, a fully private network and edge-enabled real-time reality in their hospitals? thoughts on that
2: yeah so maybe i'll take it from this kind of the operational aspects of hospital and then and, and then maybe Danny will focus more on the technology pieces of it um you know i mean hospitals you know they've outdated infrastructure right antiquated equipment um lack of capital funding is obviously a huge issue you know so i always tell everyone you know you don't have to go all in with 5g you know there's some health systems that we're talking to they're ready to go all in there's others that aren't um So a crawl, walk, run type of methodology, I think, is always a good idea. You know, um, a system here in Texas, we're putting uh, 5G into the innovation lab. We're gonna test out one or two use cases. After that's successful, we're gonna roll, the plan is to roll it to a whole nursing floor, and then, you know, throughout the rest of the hospital. But I I just like the, you know, um, get get a good partner, um, like Verizon, um, who can give you a good connectivity roadmap, right? Um, we can incorporate kind of that crawl, walk, run type of methodology,
0: and that's going to be use case driven. You think it'll be driven by their how they're prioritizing innovation, Gary?
2: I, I do, I do. You know, I think a lot about. I mean, I think a lot about. You know, how can we? And, and this is this is the question the CFOs always give me. Okay, Gary, my VP of infrastructure, my clinical teams, they want this 5G network. Convince me of what that value proposition looks like, right? And I can talk to a face about a qualitative value proposition. To quantify it is a little bit more of a challenge. Um, but I, I think the way that you do it is you just look at the severity of your patients, you know, in your hospital. You know, what's your bed capacity look like? Are you full? Now, how many of those patients are somebody that you could have managed in their home? Right? Um, opening up different bed capacity. And I think, you know, kind of looking at it, analyzing it from that perspective, I think we can get to that quantitative ROI. And you know, I, I talk a lot about moving folks to the home. Um, you know, both of my parents lost their lives in hospitals. My mom at a very young age of 42, and I remember talking to to the physician, um, and she spent three weeks in the hospital. I'm like, like what, what? Why can't we go home? You know, we're driving an hour to go see her, and and it it all came down to around care coordination. And you know, now I think about all the tools that we have today. Um, that can enable my mom to stay home. That can enable you know our parents, our grandparents, uh, others to stay home. So, it, it, it's exciting where we're at. You know, as as five G gets more pervasive across our communities, what it's going to be able to do for our our, our healthcare system, what it's going to be able to do for our our patients, you know, our friends, our family members. It's 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 really exciting.
0: You know, that brings up a point, Danny, that I'd love for you to jump in and address because you're talking about that extended care ecosystem, you know, Gary, that's critical to health systems. We're not just talking about hospitals. These aren't standalone hospitals in most cases we're talking. We're talking about health systems who have a multi-hospital footprint, who have a multi-clinic footprint, who have home health typically under that umbrella as well. And they're looking at hospital at home programs and they're extending care out. Uh, when we talk about that connected hospital of the future, Danny, it also includes wired networks, and and um, I, I'd love for you to touch on network as a service, uh, and how that supports these interoperability goals, and making sure that all that data that's being captured is sec- securely <laughs> and stored in real time can also be accessed and shared across a hospital's network, across these satellite, you know. Um, you know, sites, and also to their deployed care teams that are going out into the home and working off remote devices. I mean, all that does connect, right? That's still part of uh, what we're talking about. Any thoughts on that and where network as a service rolls into that as well?
1: Yeah, it's 100%. I mean, look, the practical reality is that no healthcare system um, functions in a vacuum you know, there are those needs. You have local needs, you have outside of local needs, you have mobile needs in and, in and out, you know, of the local and to the home and everywhere in between. And so this is where this hybrid approach becomes critical. And this is where the network as a service component really thrives. And that is to be able to interconnect all of these different systems, whether it's a wired or wireless, uh uh, modality doesn't matter you know but how do you interconnect them in such a way that all of that data can be fed into a central compute infrastructure as an example right um where the applications are being supported by that centralized compute infrastructure or distributed depending on the use case and and not only that but now to be able to consume that you know i'm going to get a little bit into the operational business side you know with a partner that can develop the right commercial model for you as well, you know, because that the business side is also critical here. Uh, so the network as a service component really takes into account the design of all of these hybrid uh, modalities to integrate them into a very seamless experience. Yeah. And Gary, just to build upon a point that you were talking about, you had mentioned crawl, walk, run the way I would also describe it is think big, start small. So have a plan, have a plan that takes you at least five years out. Uh, but you don't have to engage, Gary, as you mentioned, on that plan all at once. Pick a use case. You know, let's start with that particular use case uh, and then test your theories out and then begin to expand there. And I think this is where we've seen some of the benefit, especially in the co-innovation with partners like us and other partners um, with uh, within the health care system really come to life. You'd be amazed. Uh, and we were really consistent on this where you start out with one use case and then you co-innovate and others manifest. And this is really where a lot of the payoff begins to really be manifested. And when you think about then starting, you don't have to even start with 5G. We talk a lot about 5G today, but we've also talked about use cases that really include asset management and asset control and asset visibility. Well, you can start with a private LTE network with all the benefits that we talked about before, the reliability connection, the capacity, and also the security. And then as you're application set and use cases are ready to evolve to something 5g oriented you can take that system and migrate it to 5g and 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 so you're future proofing your investment as well and giving you that latitude and leeway to grow now you factor in that into the ecosystem of the network as a service you really have that end-to-end seamless end-to-end customer or patient care um, and uh, that invisibility into how you can actually serve patients both within a hospital campus, and operating environment, as well as without.
0: And you basically created a neural network where all of that secure data can be exchanged and accessed and analyzed and inferenced uh, across your footprint in a, in a really real-time way, uh, which also supports you know setting up command centers and some of the other things uh, that we talked about earlier. We are doing this today, Gary, um, with, with a hospital system that is really looking at the f- very future-focused and looking at a brand-new hospital. Uh, and reimagining the way they're going to be delivering acute care in that space. I'd love for you to um, to to wrap us up here and, and share with our audience what we're doing. I
2: love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so we're about to make a big announcement, press release with a partnership with the Cleveland Clinic. So the Cleveland Clinic, um, we're going to be partnered with them around the first 5G hospital built from the ground up in the country. I mean, how exciting is this? So the... What they would tell you is you know and this is what the cio specifically said to me is i want to get out of the network business so this really parlays nicely in what daniel was talking about around network as a service i want to get out of the network business um i want to shift that all to you and then i talked about you know some of the barriers right you know the hospitals have and you know especially around capital costs and, and whatnot a network as a service model kind of helps with that those pieces as well the financial part of it but here is a, a health system that would like to start building hospitals completely wireless. And what they would, co- they consider them kind of more microsite type hospitals. So you're going to see a lot of remote patient monitoring, you know, extending into the homes. Um, you're going to see less hospital beds, um, saving the hospital beds for the very, very acute patients. But very exciting. So um, be looking for that. We, we, we're we're kicking off some workshops and we're, we're looking at um, putting together a roadmap and escalation plan. So have a lot of good information to share with everyone as we move forward with this project.
0: Well, gentlemen, thanks so much for being here today and having a, a great conversation around what we're doing to pull alongside our uh, hospital health system customers in that space and and, and really help them reimagine. Uh, the connected future for their patients and for their um, cl- clinical teams and, and everyone uh, that's connected to those ecosystems. Um, if you're watching today and we piqued your interest uh, around uh, private network conversations or network as a service and edge and you know how to stitch all of that together, really begin to roadmap that out, I would encourage you uh, to reach out to us. Uh, we have, uh, Gary leads a, a great practice team that can sit with your clinical leadership and really talk through your use cases and help you prioritize, prioritize the ones that you need the most real-time enablement for right away. Uh, and then we have, uh, uh, under uh, Danny and our connectivity team, we've got some consultative services teams who can really help you roadmap that technically as well. Uh, You know where to begin and and to Danny's point maybe looking at private LTE and then growing into a private 5G network down the road and thinking about the future digital enablement because there's one thing we can say for sure. They're just going to need more of it as the future unfolds. We're not going to see less demand. Uh, for uh, digital capabilities. We're not gonna see the, a decrease in demand for device ecosystems in, in healthcare facilities. Uh, and so we encourage you to reach out to us. If you wanna know more about how we're accelerating the digital evolution of healthcare, thanks for being with us today, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Great conversation.
2: Thank you. For having us.
0: That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast through Apple, Google, or Spotify or find us at verizon.com forward slash healthcare.